Now we get to share the Lord's Supper today. And as I usually like to try to do, I want to help guide our thoughts as we think about how we're going to do this. It's easy for us to um, get in a rut. It's easy for us to act as if we're contractually obligated to share the Lord's Supper once a month or once every two months or whatever it is. It's easy for us to go through the motions of something like that. And so I want to remind us that there are things that we're supposed to remember. Jesus told us that in Luke chapter 22 when he instituted the Lord's Supper. As he is breaking bread with his disciples at Passover, as he is sharing the cup with them, as he's handing these items out to to, to individuals who have on many levels failed him in numerous ways and are about to do so more. He tells them in Luke chapter 22 and verse 19, do this in remembrance of me. Every time we do it, we're supposed to remember him. We're supposed to remember who he is and what he has done for us. And we could talk about this for hours, about the things that he has done that we ought to remember. But this morning I just want to propose a verse and a half from the very last book in your Bible. As we're thinking about what exactly are we supposed to remember, I want to propose a verse and a half to guide our thinking together. The book of Revelation is addressed to its audience, and it speaks about the glory that ought to come to Jesus. And it says this in the middle of verse 5 and then verse 6 it's a, of Revelation chapter 1. It says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There are two simple things that I want you to remember when you take the Lord's Supper this morning. These are very, very simple things. So simple that you forget them. And I forget them. But Jesus told us we're to use this as an opportunity to be reminded. So here's the first one from Revelation chapter 1 that I want you to remember. <coughs> Jesus loves you. It's that simple. And that easy. You need to remember that Jesus loves you. Why do we forget that? Well, there's a whole host of reasons. We think of ourselves as people who are incredibly difficult to love. We have people in our lives that are very difficult to love. We have circumstances that overwhelm us, that make us ask the question, hey, if you love me, what's going on? We have an acute awareness of our own sinfulness. And whether it's one of those things or a combination of some of those things or all of those things, 
All of those things pile on to just lodge a, a pebble in our shoe that says, ah, oh, I'm not sure. And maybe we're not doubting it on, a, on, a, on, a, on an upper level. If we zoom out, we can look and say, well, you know, God, God does love me. He loves, uh, he loves all Christians. He, he really loves us. And I, I can admit that. But the, the pebble that gets lodged in our shoes is, can I really say that Jesus loves me? Because I'm a lousy person. Or I got a lot of stuff going on. Or, or I've done a lot of things. And when we come to the Lord's table like this, sometimes the focus gets on us. Here's what Jesus didn't say when he handed the bread and the cup to his disciples. Do this, but remember, they're lousy. <laughs> so be grateful. It's not what he says. But that's how we take it. Now Jesus handed those things to his disciples, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Because Jesus understood. Jesus understood we're going to have our eyes on ourselves, our own shortcomings, our own problems, all the broken things about us. We're going to bring all of those things to the table this month, and we're going to bring them all to the table next month and the month after that, which is why Jesus reminded us, do it in remembrance of me. So yeah, you may have failed significantly. That doesn't change my love. For all of us, even the best of us, our love is transactional. And it is very difficult for us to understand that God would love us without the transaction. Hmm. Yeah. That even in spite of the things that you are ashamed of from even this week or this month, it may cause you or others, it may cause you to love others a little bit less. It may cause others to love you less. But it doesn't change Jesus' love for you one bit. That's hard to believe. Which is why we all refuse to believe. <laughs> the Bible says, to him who loves us. And Jesus himself said, there's no greater love than the kind of love where someone would lay down his life for his friends. And by the way, that's you guys. <laughs> so I want you to take the Lord's Supper remembering, first of all, that Jesus loves you. Secondly, I want to remind you to take the Lord's Supper with the memory that Jesus has freed you. That's what Revelation tells us. It says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. When I baptize people, you, you just saw, I give a, a rough paraphrase of Romans chapter 6, and this beautiful picture that the scripture gives us of when a person comes to faith in Jesus, something so radical happens that it can be described.
described in terms of dying and coming back to life. That's how radical coming to Jesus is. That's how radical conversion is. It's not, a, 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 it's not turning over a new leaf. It's not trying to do better this time. It's radical. It's you, the old you dying. The new you being raised to walk in newness of life because you've been united to Christ's resurrections. It's, it's described for us in those terms. The Bible tells us that Jesus, in doing all of this, has freed us from the power of our sins. And you need to be reminded that you've been freed from the power of your sins. Because you, you and I walk around like we're behind bars. It seems to us that I'm very much laboring under the weight of my guilt and my shame. My failures seem that sin is very much alive and well controlling me, and, and, and that can be true. But what the Bible tells us is that Jesus has freed us from that, which means that Jesus has freed us from the future penalty that we might pay for our sins, past, present, or future, none of those trespasses, none of those sins, are ever going to stick. You can prosecute yourself for the rest of your life if you feel it. But they're not going to stick. It also tells us that the power of sin has been broken in our lives. That though we, though we struggle on a daily basis with our sin, it is not fundamentally in control anymore. <coughs> how has God free, how has, has God freed us from our sins in Christ? Well, Revelation tells us we have been freed from our sins by His blood. Which means that Jesus did not, God did not sweep our sins under the rug and turn a blind eye. It means that he did not just simply wave a magic wand over us and say, I'm going to let you slide this time like somebody that's just gotten out of speed. What he does to free us from our sins is to send his son to die. To shed his blood. So that people like me and people like you remember that we are radically loved and radically free. I want you to remember that. If your sin gets brought to your mind, you confess it, you repent of it, but you tell God, I have a hard time believing that I'm radically loved. He's not going to be surprised, FYI. He knows. And ask God to help you live in a way that's not voluntarily putting yourself behind bars every day. That's what we want to remember as we share the Lord's Supper this morning. A few notes. First of all, if you're with us this morning and you aren't a Christian, and you know that, or you're not still not sure about the Christian thing, you're not sure what it means to, to be a Christian, to believe the gospel is then I want you to do something different. I'd ask you to refrain from participating in this with us. And I'm going to ask you not to participate, not because we like to be mean, or because we like people that visit us for the first time to feel excluded. 
None of that at all. It's simply because the Bible tells us that the Lord's Supper is something that believers do together. Followers of Jesus, those who profess faith in Christ. There's something that we want you to do instead. What we want you to do during this time is to remember the gospel that's been preached to you this morning. Remember I talked about those who are baptized and those who have professed faith in Jesus and I talked about what that means, recognizing that you are a sinner, recognizing that you have no hope, that you live under the weight and penalty of your sin apart from Christ. I want you to, rather than distract yourself from that, I want you to sit in that for a minute. I want you, in all love, I want you to feel the weight of your sin. Not because I want you to, to be miserable. Because you and I need to grapple with the reality of our souls before God. And as you are wrestling with the weight of your sin and the broken relationship that you have with your Creator, I want you to ask God to open your eyes to see the glory and the beauty of Jesus. I want you to ask God to give you a heart that wants to repent of your sins and a heart wants to believe in what Jesus has done for you. That's how I want you to spend 